We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Joining me shortly is the Sacramento Bee's Chris Biederman, and we have a 49ers divisional playoff game to preview, talk about the Dallas Cowboys, talk about Brock Purdy. I have a Brock Purdy take I want to run by Chris, so we'll do that. And if you notice I'm doing a little bit of like an NPR voice, it's because I'm doing this pod from a condo thing on a Disney property in Florida right now. And there's sleeping people all around me. So I'm going to do my best. As always, we are presented by Cooperage Brewing. And let me tell you, I'm having a great time in Florida, but not being where I can acquire Cooperage stinks. It's easily the worst part about being here. Cooperage Brewing, you can go to cooperagebrewing.com. You can order a case of beer there. They'll ship it right to your front door. Or you can go visit the brewery. That's my recommendation. Go to the brewery, hang out. Good food, good vibes, great beer. You bring a dog. Really, really fun place to hang out. Chris and I are going to go there soon. I think. We'll talk about it. I don't know. Cooper's Brewing, cooperagebrewing.com. Let's talk Niners Cowboys. Blue Wire. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. Hey man, I feel like I haven't podcasted with you in six weeks. And it's been less than a week. It's been like five days. <laughs> I'm just really enjoying late night radio DJ Kyle. Like we we I wish we could open this up so people could request their favorite love songs. And you could give shouts out to special special someone's. Coming up next, Dilemma by Nelly. <laughs> No man, um, it's it's been a little while. I'm gonna try to. I mean, I don't I don't want to talk like too loud to like upset, you know, our, like the right. the volume levels for our listeners. But um, Shout yeah, it's, it, it's good to it's good to finally good to finally uh, see you. It's been it's been a little minute. I see you're enjoying yourself in Florida. That's great. Yes, I'm having a great time. My hips hurt. Yeah, like I'm not okay. Let me let me let me put it this way. <clears throat> I've got that dog in me. <laughs> Don't get it twisted. I've got that dog in me. 
when it comes to Disney. But I'm not built for this. <laughs> you're you're built somewhat you're the same. <laughs> I'm built at least moderately similar. Right. You're right. not exactly the same. Yeah, you're not, not built you're, different. You're not built different. Yeah, that's understandable. <laughs> um yeah, well I'll have to I'll have to have it out with your family about scheduling this this trip in, in January when obviously yeah, tough scene. obviously it was clear the 49ers were gonna be in the playoffs, but um, it's okay. We're we're battling through it. We're gonna produce content either way. Um, <laughs> man, I'm really excited though, because like, same playoff football, you know, like is, is really what this thing is all about. Like, this is the the chess matches, the just the physicality, the passion of these games. Um, like the historic rivalry aspect of it is uh, it's all just really really fun. It was really, really fun last year, but now it's, you know, the shoes on the other foot. The Niners are the home team. The Niners are the division winner. They're the favorite. Um, It's the division round of the playoffs. So it's the best football weekend of the year, and the 49ers cap it by having the last game, and it's going to draw a huge number for Fox, and there's no shortage of just really interesting plot lines, whether you want to talk about Brock Purdy or the 49ers defense, or, um, you know, so many other things. Dak Prescott, the Cowboys, just the brand that they represent. Um, there's so much to it. One thing I'm not really enjoying is, like, the the resume shaming that goes on, like, online. It's so wild. And it's, it's so like, crazy. no, the Niners are clearly better. Like, no, the Cowboys are clearly better. Niners haven't played anybody. It's like, who, who cares? Like, they're, they're going to figure this out on Sunday. We're going to know... <laughs> <laughs> who the better team is on Sunday. Like resumes don't matter. This isn't college football where we're like trying to figure out who's right. in the playoffs. Like these teams are going to play each other. There's no winning for a fan base before they play. Well, and here's what matters from the Niners perspective. Dallas is the best team they've played since week seven by a significant margin. Yeah, I think that's like, totally true. Close. Yeah, I think it, I think it's totally true. I think the fact that Brock Purdy is going to be going against an elite defense is mm-hmm. one of the major subplots to this game, and that's absolutely worth talking about. I just find yeah. it silly where it's like we gotta, we really gotta hammer down on which team is better going into the game because for some reason that matters, right? Like it's, <laughs> you know, it's just, right. it just, you know, it doesn't make any sense to me. And I get it, like fans are passionate. I'm not, I'm not trying to take any passion away from the game. I just, I just think that's a little bit of a funny part of the discourse. Like people, you know, and and media members too, frankly, are like, you know certain media members are doing their part to to paint a certain picture about this game and it's like let's just play the game like underdogs win all the time like it doesn't matter who's better and who's worse we see right. underdogs win in the playoffs all the time so the resume stuff to me doesn't doesn't really track i know here's, we want to talk about the games but that, that's just something I, i've noticed and i think is kind of funny i think the resume stuff matters from the perspective of what you said about brock purdy facing an elite defense Right. That's where I think the resume kind of comes in. And so when you want to have that conversation, that's where I think it's relevant to this game and where it's pertinent in this game. Like, obviously, it's not going to decide a win or loss, but I think that's a genuine question mark. Like Brock Purdy's checked a lot of boxes, but he has not checked the box of playing a defense as good as Dallas's. Like Washington's defense is pretty good. Like that's a that's a good unit, but Dallas is really, really good at all three levels. And that's just not something that Purdy's had to deal with yet. Yeah, it, playoffs are otherwise. So I think that's a genuine question mark. But the other thing I uh, to on the other side of that coin, I don't know exactly how good Dallas is. 
because right. like they're definitely they 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 were 12 and 5. They're obviously good, but they they lost in week 18 in a game where they kind of had something to play for. They just got smoked by Washington and looked terrible. And a couple weeks before that, they blew a 17-point lead to Jacksonville in Jacksonville. And they had Gardner Minshew putting up 34 points on their defense in Dallas. And they just snuck by Houston in Houston. But then you see them go to Minnesota and crush Minnesota. They go to Tampa Bay in the wild card round and crush Tampa Bay. Like they've they've looked at points like this elite Super Bowl contending team, but then they've also looked like a team that could go into San Francisco and lose by 30. It kind of feels I have no idea what to make of them. Yeah, like so. I, my my take on on the Cowboys is is they have an incredibly high ceiling, right? They like they they can beat anybody. They're super talented. Micah Parsons, if not for Nick Bosa, would probably be you know considered the best yep. defensive player in the league. Um, you know, Diggs is really good at cornerback. Like they have guys at all three levels of their defense. Uh, when healthy, they have a pretty good offensive line. Their their line is seems like it's perpetually banged up, and we'll see how that how that unfolds. But Dak Prescott can play at a really high level in any given week. But as high of a ceiling as they have, it's also hard to trust them. Like I inherently will just never trust a Mike McCarthy team in a big moment. Yeah. Like I know yeah. he won the Super Bowl at the Packers in 2010, but perpetually it just feels like Mike McCarthy's team comes up short in big moments. And obviously last year was another big example in the wild card round against the 49ers. So like, I think their ceiling's really high and their ceiling could potentially match the 49ers ceiling, just given how good their defense is and and overall just how balanced they are. I think Tony Pollard could provide the 49ers defense with some problems. I think the fact that Dak Prescott is mobile and there are ways to, to get him moving um, in ways that, you know, the 49ers struggled against the Raiders um, and you know, the Geno Smith to a certain extent, like there are things that the Cowboys can do offensively that gives the 49ers defense problems. And obviously CD lamb is super talented and the 49ers are going to have to avoid giving up the big play. And that's been sort of a, a problem for them, you know, in the second half of the season, I would say, whether it's Talano Hufunga, um, losing, you know, or, or not, not putting, having his eyes in the right place or, trying to make a play on the quarterback while letting a pass catcher get behind them, or even Charvarius Ward, like as good of a season as he had, he just wasn't very good against DK Metcalf last week mm-hmm. against Seattle. And, you know, CeeDee Lamb, not nearly as big and, and physical as Metcalf, but somebody who might be a little bit more dynamic in terms of just route running explosiveness, right? Like a guy mm-hmm. in and out of breaks just can explode and change direction on a dime. Like that's, that's what makes him really difficult to deal with. And so Charvarius Ward is going to have to have a bounce back game. Like you can look all over the field really and find potential matchup problems that frankly, the 49ers haven't had to deal with in a long time. And I think that's certainly fair to point out. Like, you know, Mike McGlinchey is going to have to block Micah Parsons. Like how great should the 49ers Mm -hmm. feel about that? Right. Like Tony Pollard is really, really fast and athletic and gives the four and could give the 49ers problems uh, it, you know, like if, if they miss a tackle or if they don't set the edge, like those could, those plays could go for big gains. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, I just think that the, the way the, the Cowboys roster is constructed, they pose threats 
to the 49ers to your point earlier on, like they, that the 49ers haven't really dealt with since October 23rd against Kansas city when they allowed 44 points. And that was the last time they lost and they've won 11 games since right. They're certainly, they've played a lot better than that version of that team. And they have a quarterback who's playing at a higher level for sure than Jimmy did. But you know, like I think I, I, this, this is what you hope for, right? In the playoffs, like if you're just an objective football fan and, and just want to see the best thing out there, Niners against this type of Cowboys team with the really high ceiling is what you want to see. Um, mm-hmm. But again, the, the thing with the Cowboys is how much do you trust them in a big spot? And I mm-hmm. would say that's, that's the biggest question for them coming in because frankly, like I just don't trust Mike McCarthy and don't totally know how much I trust Dak Prescott. And that that's ultimately the difference between like the great teams and, and just the playoff teams, like who can show up in big spots and the 49ers have been better in those spots recently, obviously with the exception of the fourth quarters of the Super Bowl and and the NFC championship game. It feels like this game is going to come down to turnovers and you have, yeah, they all do pretty much. (laughs) <laughs> that's a that's always one of my favorite things is keys to the game avoid turnovers yes yeah. <laughs> no but but i think just just because these teams i think are, are pretty evenly matched but you have deck Dak prescott who led the league in interceptions or tied for the league league in interceptions despite missing five games but then dallas is one of the best teams in the league at turning it over on defense facing brock purdy who has done a pretty good job of taking care of the ball but what happens when Michael Parsons is bearing down on him? Does he maintain that poise? That play where where Purdy it happened like four times in one drive where he in the wildcard game where he peeled off to his left, sprinted to the sideline, and then had to like get his body contorted to just throw it away. Like you're not running away from Michael Parsons in that spot. You can run away from Boye Mafe or 96-year-old Bruce Irvin. You're not you're not running away from Michael Parsons, right? And so it is now that incompletion and that neutral play become a 15 yard loss, and now they're behind the sticks. It's like little things like that. And does he do the couple of throws that he had against Seattle that were nearly intercepted? Do those get picked off? And now Dallas has a short field, and now they get an extra possession. It's like that's the little things that I think are going to wind up swinging this game because I don't think either team is just going to line up and beat the other one head to head. Like I, I really do think they're evenly matched despite all the things I, I have the same, if I'm Dallas, I have the same concerns you do. Yeah. Do you trust Dak who has had some really spread that week 18 game was abominable. Right. It was really bad. And then Mike McCarthy, I mean the, the, the peak Mike McCarthy play was that sneak against the QB sneak with whatever it was, 13 seconds left against the Niners last year with no timeouts. And then his team not knowing how to line up to spike the ball. Right. Like that's the, that's the stuff where if it comes down to it at the end, I, I think you like the Niners coaching staff to have their guys ready. Yeah. And to, to that end about the Niners coaching staff, like this is ultimately going to be a huge Kyle Shanahan game, right? Wow. Steph mm-hmm. Curry just hit a three to take the lead. Uh, over Boston and overtime. Um, of course he did. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Kyle Shanahan has been really, I think, the best we've seen him 
since Brock Purdy became the starting quarterback. And a lot of that has to do with Purdy because Purdy's just running the offense really well. Purdy's also making plays outside the structure of the offense, which Jimmy Garoppolo really struggled to do. And Purdy also has not given the ball away at, at the same rate as Jimmy Garoppolo has throughout most of his tenure as the 49ers starter. So all of that in conjunction with the skill guys they have, this is just the best version of the 49ers offense that they've had. And they're averaging like 35 points a game since Brock Purdy became the starter. So like, is Kyle Shanahan going to be able to get everybody open? You know, I saw a stat like Brock Purdy only made two throws against the Seahawks that were into tight coverage, like Mm -hmm. the entire game of his Mm -hmm. 30 attempts. Only two of them were into tight coverage. That just speaks to like the fact, you know, Brandon Ayuk's running across the middle wide open. You have um, obviously the touchdowns with Elijah Mitchell and Christian McCaffrey leaking out uh, after the play gets extended. And, you know, they were initially in, in pass protection, like those guys being wide open. Is is that going to happen? Like Dan Quinn knows Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan knows Dan Quinn, right? Mm-hmm. I would give the advantage to Kyle Shanahan, given those skill guys and given how Shanahan knows the rules of that defense and how. Mm-hmm. And how like knowing the rules, like knowing what each player's responsibility is in a certain in a certain look, in a certain formation, in a certain personnel grouping, that allows Kyle Shanahan to attack whatever weakness he finds that's out there. Now, is Dan Quinn going to switch things up and play window dressing and say, this is what I think Kyle Shanahan's used to, but I'm going to have this guy cover somebody else or this guy drop into a zone that Kyle Shanahan hasn't seen before. There's a chess match to that, which I find completely fascinating because we haven't seen Brock Purdy have to um, have to overcome scheme in any way, really. Right. right. Like it's it, he's he's had to make plays outside of structure, but um, he hasn't uh, he, he, he hasn't had to run an offense where it's like, oh, things aren't going well. Like we need to rely on Brock Purdy doing his own thing. So while we're on the Brock Purdy topic, I want to run this by you and get your thoughts. Would the conversation about Brock Purdy be different if he had been a first-round pick? In what way? Like, I what you just mentioned about the two throws into tight coverage and the you know, the wide open touchdown to McCaffrey and the wide open touchdown to Mitchell. I feel like a lot of the the conversation more more nationally than than locally is like, oh, look at this Kyle Shanahan masterpiece. Whereas if this isn't to I'm not I'm picking a recent number one pick. If Trevor Lawrence started his career this way, there would be like is this a top five QB already? Takes. Right. This isn't like pertinent. I'm just <laughs> I'm just fascinated by the like contract. Like there are people who are like, this is Kyle Shanahan's guy. This is who he's been waiting for. Oh my God. The Niners are never going to lose again. And then there's this like perpetual waiting for the other shoe to drop. Like this is not sustainable. I don't know why it's not sustainable. Because if you're getting, I know Purdy doesn't have a cannon. I know he's not the most athletic guy, 
But that ability to not have the super negative plays so consistently and to just create plays when the pocket breaks down and create touchdowns to Elijah Mitchell and to Christian McCaffrey and multiple times to George Kittle this year. Like that just kind of changes the offense in a pretty profound way. And I I think he's able to do that despite not having those like physical gifts that we usually give to, you know, the Justin Herberts and the, and the Patrick Mahomes and the Josh Allens who clearly are so physically talented, but I don't (laughs) like, it just doesn't look the same when Purdy does it, but it's just, it's super productive. It's yeah. So I I think like, I think his draft position gets held against him in some respects. Yeah. So I think what's interesting about it is you have a lot of people, I think still who look at like the eye test and particularly like maybe the first half against the Seahawks and they'll say, okay, this, this kind of matches my priors, right? Cause nobody's priors, nobody's prior opinion of Brock Purdy was like, Oh, this guy's going to come in and lead the 49ers to this unbeaten stretch and win playoff games for them as their third string quarterback. Like nobody had that opinion. And and if they did, they're, they're not being real with themselves. So like, when Brock Purdy struggles, it confirms their priors. When he plays well, it goes against everything they thought they knew about him. And I think that speaks to him being a seventh round draft pick, right? Like if he mm-hmm. if he were super talented and playing like this, then yeah, the conversation would be like, oh, is this guy, you know, if if he had the physical gifts. Like I'm not saying he's not talented, but if he was like if he was six five and running around like Patrick Mahomes and had a cannon for an arm and he was playing at this level with what is it? 13 touchdowns, 16 touchdowns total. And, mm. and like three intercept, four interceptions, whatever it is. Like people would be like, Oh, is, is Brock Purdy the next guy in the league? Mm-hmm. But the, but the reason why people aren't doing that, I think, first of all, it's a small sample size. Mm-hmm. Second of all, he still doesn't really pass the eye test. Like he's the smallest guy in the field, you know, <laughs> like, like Christian McCaffrey. That's, okay. That's but that's it. How does he not pass the eye test aside from being short? I think just being short, like he's not, I don't know, like he doesn't have a huge arm. Like, I think we're all su- sort of surprised by the athleticism that he showed, right? Like, he's like, it, it looks like he's just athletic enough, but not like here's my he's here's not my Lamar Jackson. I mean, the, the thing like with the eye test stuff, right? Like, you could talk about Kyler Murray. When Kyler Murray's running around, it just looks different, mm-hmm. you know, like very, very different from like what you look like at Disneyland, just different, not the same, <laughs> but, and Lamar Jackson too. But like when this guy does it, it's like Disney world, by the way. Oh yeah. My bad. But when, <laughs> um, but when, but when Brock Purdy does it, it's like, it's just kind of enough. Like it's it it's not like explosive athleticism. It's just kind of like enough, and it's not like you're calling like designer runs for Brock Purdy. Sure. So I, I think like yeah, if he were a first round pick and the Niners were undefeated with him as a starter and making this playoff run, then it'll be like oh, the Niners are set forever. But because he's a seventh round pick and it just feels so unlikely because he is small and he doesn't have the biggest arm and um you know he has he has 
I don't want to say like an aw shucks persona, but like that. And that's not to say that he's not like a serious dude, but he's not a big personality mm-hmm. by any stretch. And, and very few quarterbacks are, I guess I should say. But um, is there something is there something that you see that's unsustainable? Because that's what I keep asking myself. Like, does this look different if their defense is the 17th best defense? Or the twentieth best defense. Does this look different if you? <laughs> I, I was going to say remove Debo Samuel, but that was the case for like four weeks to end the season, and it, and it wasn't a problem. Right. But if you remove if you remove Christian McCaffrey, how much worse does it look? Like that. That's what. Because oh, he's he just looks good because he has Kyle Shanahan. Like well, yeah, that's the coach. So <laughs> if this right. coach QB pairing is going to do this, then what's the then what's the what's the problem? Right. Like I. <laughs> I really dislike the arguments where like, oh, this guy's good because of his coach or this guy like Tom Brady mm-hmm. had Bill Belichick and Joe Montana had Bill Walsh, right? Like we mm-hmm. cannot just that that's the context in which these guys. So are we going to like dock Bill Walsh for having Joe Montana like, oh, he had the best quarterback ever. Are we going to dock Joe Montana for, oh, he had the best coach mm-hmm. ever. Like same with Brady and Belichick. Like I just can't I can't do that. Like, are we going to? Oh, Phil Jackson's rings aren't legit because he had good players. It's like, no, you have to win. You have to win (laughs) championships or you have to have good players to win championships. That's just how this this thing works. So. um, And again, I I don't I'm not (laughs) I'm not trying to put Brock Purdy and Kyle Shanahan in that air. No, it's an extreme. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But just like. I, I do think where he's at is a big part of it. Like if he's if Brock Purdy played for the Colts, he might have ten picks and seven touchdown passes and however many stars mm-hmm. he's at, right? Like that's that's certainly not not crazy. But you know, this is like this is why football is so unique. It's so much about situation. It's different than basketball, where like, you know, you have one guy who touches the ball and there's only twelve guys on your team and just a singular individual talent can change a franchise in the way mm-hmm. that like LeBron James changed the Cavaliers or Steph Curry changed the Warriors. Like in the NFL, it's very rarely like how good was Calvin Johnson? Like Calvin Johnson might be the best receiver any of us has, have ever seen, mm-hmm. but they didn't win anything. Like Calvin Johnson right. by himself could not elevate the Detroit Lions into some crazy contender. You know, like mm-hmm. that's the difference between between basketball and football whereas like in the nfl it's really the the it's a cliche but it's the best example of a true like team game Mm -hmm. right like and the and the the line between winning and losing is so thin being good and being mediocre is so thin and that's why there's so much pressure on every single game but it's all about your defense your roster your head coach um, just everything being married together. And that's what I think the 49ers are so good at right now. And that's a huge reason why Brock Purdy's thriving. And, and I don't think that's a reason to hold anything against Brock Purdy. Like, like we, and this is like a broader like discourse thing, but like sometimes there are some people who like discount achievements because it's like, Oh, this guy had it easy because because he had two teammates. Like there's some people who want a superstar to drag a terrible roster and terrible teammates and a terrible situation to championships because that's the only reason like that's the only way they can truly be great. 
Whereas anybody who wins a championship with a good coach or good teammates, like that's somehow being held against them. And to me, I think that's ridiculous, right? Like Michael Jordan had Scottie Pippen and arguably one of the best head coaches ever. And Dennis Rodman, just a really good roster. Obviously, Michael Jordan was, Mm -hmm. was the biggest reason that the Bulls won, but it was like, you know, imagine being like, oh, well, he had Scotty. If you didn't have Scotty, he wouldn't be as great. It's like, come on, man. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> great point. You know, so. <laughs> but, so, but I guess because I understand the argument of like in a vacuum, if you're drafting all the quarterbacks in the league, Brock Purdy's not going top 10. I understand. I get that. But that's not what the discourse should be, I guess. And maybe that's the bigger problem here is it's being he's being viewed through the lens of how would he stack up what would the texans look like with patrick mahomes versus with brock purdy that obviously looks significantly better with patrick mahomes and that's not i'm not going to argue against that and i think that's the case probably for a lot of quarterbacks but would would patrick mahomes be patrick mahomes if if he didn't play for andy reed I think he'd still be pretty good. I think he'd he'd be okay. But But, uh, you can't, my thing is like, it's, it's just, do we have to, you can't, you can't untie the two. Right. You like, do we have to divorce the quarterback (laughs) from the coach? No. Every time we do it, I get it. I get that it's a discussion point, but like, we don't actually have to do that. Like we don't have to worry about what Brock Purdy looks like without Kyle Shanahan, because we're nowhere near that point yet. Maybe down the road we'll figure, but like, why is it important that like we have to figure out how Brock Purdy is without Kyle Shanahan? Because for right now, he's going to be with Kyle Shanahan <laughs> like on Sunday. Right. It's going to be Kyle Shanahan. So it's like it's, you know, in turn, like and and I think Stephen Ruiz on our pod and, and you know, on his in his content that he makes, like talks about Kyle Shanahan, like he would take Kyle Shanahan instead of a lot of quarterbacks just based mm-hmm. on Kyle Shanahan's offense and the way he thinks about the game and designs things. So that's. You know, like I just think we can't divorce coach and quarterback. Like we can't divorce Tom Brady from from Bill Belichick and Joe Montana from from Bill Walsh. Like you, like yeah, maybe maybe Joe Montana wouldn't have been what he became if he didn't play for Joe for Bill Walsh. But like, who cares? Like he did so, and we got the results. So like, that's all we can do. I, I just also don't think it can be ignored that Brock Purdy is what the sixth quarterback to start. For for Shanahan, since he got to San Francisco, is Brian? It was Hoyer, Bethard, Mullins, Garoppolo, Garoppolo. Is that it? Mullins again. Well, Trey Lance, Lance. Trey Lance. So, and Purdy, okay, so yeah. Purdy's, Purdy's a six guy, and Purdy looks like the best of them. But it, Brian Hoyer did not run the offense like this. Granted, the players were worse when Hoyer was here. Yeah, but George Nick Kittle Mullins was a fifth round rookie. Right, Nick Mullins didn't. C.J. Bethard didn't. Honestly, Jimmy Garoppolo didn't. The offense was still efficient, but it looks, eye test, just looks more smooth with Brock Purdy under center. And that's kind of the thing that I'm having a hard time with is this is a rookie, a rookie quarterback in the NFL who's on his seventh start and through six starts plus another basically full game who's just looked really good and looked better than any other quarterback they've had. So this is not this is not strictly a Kyle Shanahan thing because if it was then we would have seen other guys do this, but we've right. seen other guys try and fail. Yeah. No, I mean in terms of like what sustainable 
there there's nothing to say that this is unsustainable i don't think but just as a rule it's really hard to be a good quarterback in the nfl and it's really just whatever it is it's hard to sustain really good play year after year i'd say i'd say it every time we talk about quarterbacks and like the elite guys what separates the elite guys from everybody else is the fact that they're elite year after year like yeah, Derek Carr was an MVP candidate for one year, but that doesn't mean he's an elite quarterback. It's like Aaron Rodgers is elite year after year after year, with the exception of this year. Tom Brady mm-hmm. during his prime, during his run, was like always elite. Peyton Manning mm-hmm. always elite. Like there are guys that jump in and out of that of that tier in any given season, but the guys that stay there are the ones who are truly elite. No matter how Brock Purdy's playing right now and what it looks like, nothing is guaranteed that he sustains that right like jimmy garoppolo in 2017 looked like one of the best quarterbacks in the league like statistically you can make a case he was a top five quarterback over the the last five games of that season and the 49ers paid him accordingly right but jimmy garoppolo tore his acl in you know three weeks into 2018 and then was never quite the same guy right Mm -hmm. it just it always looked a little bit different from there on out he didn't have the same movement skills it didn't he didn't have the same sort of playmaking ability um just things were different and i'm not saying that it was just the injury that that led to that maybe garoppolo was was just going to come back to earth regardless but you know like we see guys like joe flacco had a had a run against the niner in the playoffs and against the niners in the super bowl where it's like damn joe flacco might be like one of the best quarterbacks in the league and then he just figures out like it just happens like there, there. I don't know that there's anything we're going to see on Sunday that's going to portend to, you know, Brock Purdy being good or bad next year, regardless. Mm-hmm. Right. But I, I, I do think the way that he's playing right now and the fact I, I think the biggest thing is the fact that he's not turning the ball over. Yeah. Like they're scoring exactly. points and he's not turning the ball over. It's not. It's not, oh, he's scoring points, but he gives the ball away, right? Like, even in 2017, Jimmy Garoppolo was still throwing a pick a game. And it mm-hmm. was like, yeah, Jimmy's playing really well, but there's just that one Jimmy throw. And, like, that that was a trend that continued throughout his career. We're not seeing that from Brock yet, but maybe that comes up. Maybe he, you know, I mean, knock on wood, maybe there's an injury that pops up. Maybe there's – maybe J- Christian McCaffrey gets hurt at some point, again, knocking on wood here. But, like – you know, there are things that could happen that suddenly make the degree of difficulty in terms of running the offense a lot more difficult on Brock. And and maybe that's the thing that he doesn't really respond to. But mm-hmm. for right now, it's like, man, he's got all his guys. They're running the ball well. Kyle Shanahan's in his bag, as the youths would say. <laughs> and like everything's going smoothly. It's not always going to go smoothly for him. So if if and when... I, th- I think it's inevitable at some point, whether it's Sunday or the following week or two weeks after that or next season, if and when he faces like real adversity, aside from just like being down by double digits in the in the second half of a game, like real adversity, like, you know, they they have a losing record two months into the season and a bunch of guys are out with injuries. Like how he responds to that is going to give us a lot, a much better idea of like whether or not this guy is, is really this good or if this is just one of those like blip on the radar situations like we've seen so many times from guys who end up just not being star quarterbacks right no that makes sense i just i would be fascinated to know even if he was a third round pick 
what the discussion is. See, Russell Wilson? I don't think there would be, I don't think, yeah, no, that would be, but that would be it. And I understand, like, and I, and I, and I think the wait and see, you know, in terms of, it's not like, hey, drop the extension right now. Like that, <laughs> that's, it's far from that. And anything bringing up Tom Brady or anything like that is obviously batshit. Right. Like, <laughs> save that for somebody who's won five Super Bowls and then you can like start the conversation. <laughs> or just one, uh, like, let them, let them win one. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, that's not even so. Put, put that away. But that's where that's the the like, like I said, the having nothing to do with the Cowboys game and having nothing to do with anything of consequence. I just wonder if there would still be a wait and see, because that's what it is. It's like, hey, it's six starts. Like, oh, the the uh the praise is getting out of control. This is crazy. And I get that. Like I said, the Tom Brady stuff is out of control. That's wild. That's, but the notion that he's like, Hey, this guy's pretty damn good. I don't think that's nuts. No, I, I don't think that's good at all. Or the, I don't think that's nuts at all. Sorry. <laughs> and I, and I don't, I don't think that would be the conversation if he was even like a third or fourth round pick. I think it would be like, Oh man, mid round find team should stop drafting quarterbacks early. Look at all these guys who don't go in the first round who are good. And instead it's like, ah, well, let's wait and see. And I think it's only because of his draft position. I don't think it's anything he's done on the field. I think if you remove Brock Purdy's name and put Kenny Pickett, the 20th overall pick there, it's like, oh wow. Like, here come the Steelers. Right. You know, that that would be it's just like I said, this is more of a discourse thing than anything, but it's so interesting to me. Yeah, I mean Look, you would say, having not known where George Kittle or Fred Warner were drafted, based on their production since coming into the league, you would say, oh, those guys are probably first-round draft picks. Totally. So, like, they those guys reached a point where you just say, wow, it's kind of crazy that George Kittle was a fifth-round pick, or wow, it's kind of crazy that Fred Warner was a third-round pick. Eventually... They just outplayed where they got drafted and no one really holds that against them anymore. Mm -hmm. Right. Like no one's like, well, yeah, George Kittle set the all time (laughs) tight end receiving record in 2018. But I don't know, man, I'm not really convinced because he didn't catch that many passes at Iowa. You know, like nobody says that. So, yeah, I got to see more. So, like, if Brock Purdy continues to play well, we're going to get to a point where we'll be like, man, it's kind of crazy that Brock Purdy was a seventh round pick. Or mm-hmm. not at that point yet, because a lot of people are like, oh, there's, you know, still kind of looks like a seventh round pick to me in terms of how big he is and how he doesn't have a great arm and that type of stuff. Like, mm-hmm. so maybe, the, maybe that stuff does catch up. Yeah, there's there's going to be a point where it's like, OK, that, like we can all say that Brock Purdy should have been drafted way earlier than the seventh round, mm-hmm. potentially. It's maybe just, we're already there, but like that's that's kind of where I think that's at. It just he was he was not good in the first half against Seattle. Like, don't get it twisted. He was not great. I think he was nine of nineteen, but and he missed some easy throws and he had a couple of throws into traffic that were not great. And it was like that for for some people that I follow on the internet and that I listen to and that I read and stuff. It's like that was like okay, see, he stinks. Moving on. And I just I think ignoring the entire second half where he played pretty well is. Only happening because he was the last pick in the draft. Well, also too, like 
the the thing that makes one of the things that makes the Maybe second I'm half. Dumb. No, you're not. I one of the things that makes his second half so impressive is that like he was able to bounce back. Mm-hmm. Totally. Like agree. he didn't he didn't spiral. He didn't like he didn't press. He like responded to playing poorly. Like that's mm-hmm. the thing. Like sure, we can't just throw away the first half. But what's what was impressive to me about the game was that he bounced back from it. Mm-hmm. So like you know you could use the first half against him and say he didn't play well. And like sure that's true, but. I would argue the second half is a better indicator of who he is as a quarterback than what the first half was. And that's not to say he doesn't have bad play in him sometimes. Like he's not every throw is perfect. If every throw was perfect, then, you know, like, <laughs> like, like the best, the, the best completion percentage guys in the NFL complete 70% of their throws, you know? Right. So like nobody's perfect. So I don't know. I, I, I think we love to jump the shark on just about everything just in sports discourse in general but i think on the purdy stuff (laughs) i think on the purdy stuff like we're the the best part about all this is we get to see it we get to watch it happen we don't have to try to be like you know like that the the, sometimes the thing we lose in sports is just like no this is great because we get to see whether brock purdy's good or not like we don't all have to be first to to proclaim it before it actually happens like we 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 Mm -hmm. have the luxury of being able to watch everything play out and then we could decide if brock purdy's good or not we don't have to do this thing that so many people love to do like oh i told you this guy was good blah 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 and like okay like you you were right first like congratulations you sent (laughs) you sent you sent a tweet in august saying brock purdy's the truth like congrats to you enjoy your victory lap like right you know like spend don't spend all of it in one place <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> like, sure. so i don't know that's just that's just a weird part of this whole thing but hey we love it we have a podcast so we we part of us part part of what we do is we have to do that so i have to acknowledge that too like i said i want to make sure that it's clear not complaining i genuinely find it interesting i would love to be in the alternate reality where brock purdy goes in the third round and everything kind of plays out the same. Yeah, I mean, it's it sounds like yeah, it's kind of like what Russell Wilson's career was early on. Yeah, Rus- Russell Wilson in his first in his first playoff game threw for three hundred seventy five yards. Yeah, he was on track to break like every passing record ever. Yeah. <laughs> so That's- I mean, Russell had a pretty decent career. Yeah. Going forward, we'll see. <laughs> TBD. TBD. He might pull himself out of the Hall of Fame. That'd be nuts. If he just plays for another like eight years and sucks. Man, Mr. Pretty Limited. Conversation for another day. Yeah. You want to do a six pack? Boy, do I. Biggest game yeah, of the year. Do. Let's let's roll. Dynamite. Who picks first? Uh, you do. I think I took Christian McCaffrey first last week. Okay. Um, I really hate talking about Nick Bosa on this podcast at this point because <laughs> I just don't know what there is to say. And I think I say that. <laughs> I, I think I say that every damn week. Sure. Uh, 
like most versions of the 49ers winning this game include Nick Bosa just being a complete pain in the ass for the Cowboys to try blocking. Mm-hmm. Um, he's really good in the run game. He's really good, obviously, as a pass rusher. Jason Peters, is he going to play? Like the 40 year old Jason Peters? Yeah, 40 year old left tackle Jason Peters, like dealing with a hip injury. I don't know. Like old people and hips just. Uh, uh, Bro, me after three days in Disney World and hips, let me tell you. Right. Who do you think's in worse shape going into Sunday in terms of hip injuries? You or Jason Peters? It's me. No question. Okay. (laughs) I would also like, I I, I do want to point out, though, that Nick Bosa, remember in that game last year, he got the concussion against Dallas in the wildcard game. That's true. I only played like 25 snaps. 23. I'm looking at the number right now. It's 23 snaps. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's true. Revenge. Um, whatever. Yeah. I like I'm to the point with Nick Bosa where I'm like, all right, when, when is he going to have his like real playoff moment? Not that he's like, mm-hmm. hasn't been good. He's, he's been very good in the playoffs, but there's going to be a point where, you know, like Von Miller in the super bowl, right. Against, against Carolina. Yeah. Like that's like, that took Von Miller's career to a completely different level. I think Nick Bosa yeah at some point is going to reach that level in terms of like having a playoff moment. And I, it could happen this week. And so that's why I'm taking Nick Bosa first overall. I'm going to go with a player who has not had like a monster playoff game yet. And who had a pretty quiet week last week. I'm taking George Kittle with my first pick because I'm not sure if Dallas's linebackers can cover. And Leighton Vander Esch, if you look at his PFF grades, has had a fine year in coverage, but that's never been he's never been awesome at that. And he's been fine this year, but I don't know if that's something that he can consistently do over the course of an entire game, especially when you're mixing in play action and you're mixing in Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel. I just think we're gonna get a couple of plays where George Kittle is open in the middle of the field. And Brock Purdy's shown an ability to hit him in those spots. And maybe it's a play where Micah Parsons gets through and Purdy has to scramble and he finds Kittle open somewhere. But I just don't think we're going to see another quiet George Kittle game. So I'm expecting him to 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 go off, especially with all the all the factors that play in and in the middle of the field and and with Dallas's pass rush being pretty good and Purdy needing a needing an outlet. So. Give me George Kittle. So Kittle's had kind of an interesting, an interesting month of football. Um, yeah. Against Tampa Bay, Brock Purdy's first start, four catches, 28 yards, no touchdowns, kind of meh. Next week, four catches in Seattle, two touchdowns, 93 yards. Next week against Washington, six catches, 120 yards, two touchdowns. Against Vegas, four catches, one touchdown, 23 yards. Against Arizona, four catches, 29 yards, two touchdowns. Last week, two catches, 37 yards, zero touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Based on that trend, I would think you're right in that George Kittle getting a multiple touchdown game would not be a surprise. Yep. Um, and I think when the 49ers offense is really going, I think Kittle's probably the most difficult guy to defend because yeah. it's not like... You know, like Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey do all sorts of different things. 
but none of them like line up next to Trent Williams and then like hammer a defensive end, but then like spend half the play blocking a defensive end and then just kind of sneak in the middle of the field where nobody is and then yeah. can, like catch a touchdown pass. Right. So in terms of like deception, George Kittle's way up there in, in terms of how much he can provide the 49ers offense that way. Like play action, George Kittle's doing, they're doing one of those combo blocks against somebody. Brock Purdy rolls out, mm-hmm. Kittle leaks out. And then it's like, oh, George Kittle's wide open. Like here's a 60 yard touchdown. Like no one wants to tackle him in the open field. Like that could totally happen. So yep. I think, I think it's a really good pick. And yeah, to your point, pulling up George Kittle's postseason right He's now. He's not like, had his postseason moment yet. He has not had his postseason moment. He has one postseason touchdown, and that came in the NFC Championship game last year. Otherwise, not you know against Green Bay in the wild card round, or the divisional round last year, four catches, 63 yards. That's no touchdowns, obviously. That's, that's his high in the playoffs. He dropped. Remember, I think it might have been in the first. Yeah, I think it was the first series. He had the drop. Yeah. Oh, it would have been six. Yeah, I think that. I think that would have been a touchdown. Yeah. All right. Um. Okay. You're next. God, do I just gotta go chalk? Dude, it's 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 playoff time. It's playoff time. Like, man, just go chalk. I don't know. Jordan Mason. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> um, I'm going to go Christian McCaffrey because you have to sort of this is this is sort of like in the Nick Bosa zone. Of you life. have to. There's not a whole lot to say when it comes to analysis here. Yep. Um, man, he's just like the the queen on the chessboard. Like he's he does a little bit of everything you can give him 15 rushes you can give him nine targets in the passing game like he's you can utilize him so many different ways and he's just proven to be such a huge security blanket for whoever the 49ers quarterbacks have been um you know it's it's just really remarkable frankly that like he's he's been this good like i you know we you and i talked about um, when they when they made the trade, just like what type of impact he would he would have, and it's like, well, if he stays healthy, and uh, it's a lot of it's a lot for running back and all that stuff, and and I totally get it. I don't think anybody would have thought that it would have gone as well, frankly. Mm-mm. Right? So like, this this is just kind of wild to me that that it's gone this well. Um, and it's been, I mean, it, it would have been the biggest story of the 49ers season had Brock Purdy not been doing what he's doing. Right. But now it's kind of a secondary thing, but like Christian McCaffrey's a real deal. Like I asked him and look, football players like say, you know, cliche stuff all the time after the, the Seahawks game, I asked him like about the balance between like getting his own touches and, and playing with so many other guys who need the ball in their hand. He's just like, I don't care. I just want to win. That's really all I care about. And obviously it's a platitude and boilerplate and all that stuff. Some guys you buy it or some, a lot of guys, you don't buy it when they say that you're just like, yeah, I don't believe mm-hmm. it. But like he's the, the way he said it and just sort of the way he talks and the way his teammates talk about him. Like I 
I believe him when he says that. He's just like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm just, I, I just want to win. Winning is the only thing I care about. And like you see it when he's like throwing blocks and, you know, being a fullback on some on uh, Ray Ray McLeod running play. Right. Like, I don't know, man, like he's totally bought in. He really, really wants to win a championship. He really enjoys being with the 49ers and the 49ers have benefited from getting him in a huge way. And mm-hmm. I just think, you know, like if he had another multiple touchdown game on Sunday, like that wouldn't surprise me at all. Just given given what he's meant to the 49ers offense at this point. Yeah, I don't. That's the other thing that colors the Brock Purdy conversation. Is the presence of Christian McCaffrey. And how much more difficult is Purdy's job if Christian McCaffrey's not just hanging out in the flat on every play or splitting out and running routes? The stuff Kyle Shanahan was doing last week with Christian McCaffrey and Debo in the backfield and the one or the other motioning out, like that's that's the kind of stuff when they acquired him, it's like, man, they are gonna put defenses in a tough spot. Yeah. With with that specific formation. I'm and there's just not another player that does that. Like they, that's why they traded for him. That very specific, that very specific thing of having him, like you said, be the queen on the chessboard. It's not because he's an awesome runner between the tackles or whatever. But like, it, it felt like offenses adjusted to Debo Samuel after last year. Like this year, it felt like defenses. all right, de- yeah, sorry, defenses adjusted to Debo Samuel in the, in the backfield this year. Like. When you have Christian McCaffrey, a guy who does a lot of the same things, that you take those adjustments out the window. Like those adjustments don't really matter anymore because now you got another guy who's doing the same thing, and you got to you got to adjust for both. And that that just it makes things so much easier offensively. So that's that is really to me the value in Christian McCaffrey. It's not that like, oh well, he's only going to get you seventy rushing yards a game or whatever. It's like no, man. Like he completely transforms the offense because Kyle Shanahan can dictate matchups in a way he he never really could before. Yeah, yeah. Just a complete game changer for them. Yeah. Offensively. My next pick, a guy you mentioned earlier, and that's Talanoa Hufanga. Because Dak Prescott is going to make some plays where Dak Prescott's going to give the 49ers secondary some opportunities to make plays on the ball. The key with Hufanga is A, can he make a play on the ball? And B, can he not bite on play action and let Dallas get a shot play? Can he can he not make that mistake that we've seen several times this year in big spots? Because that seems to be the, the Niners' biggest kryptonite at this point is offenses getting wide open guys down the field with number 29 chasing them because he was out of position. He needs to have maybe, maybe like I, I mentioned the the making a play on the ball. He doesn't even need to have an interception, but can he just eliminate that deep throw? Make Dak Prescott have a fifteen play drive. Make him make eight, nine, ten throws in a series, because he's shown this year that hey, he'll give the ball away if you make him do that. But if you're going to let him get a couple of deep shots, like Dak's a good quarterback, man. Dak can play, and I know that. That's considered a hot take in some in some circles, but Dak is a good player, and if you let whoever it is, Noah Brown, Ohio State legend, Noah Brown, 
or CD Lamb or Michael Gallup get deep, he's going to hit them. And I think a lot of that's going to be on Hufanga to make sure that doesn't happen. So maybe he gets a pick, maybe he doesn't, but they just can't have that play where it's him chasing a receiver into the end zone because he was out of position. Yeah, like Dalton Schultz, right? Like Dal- Dalton second. Schultz is is second on their team in, in receiving touchdowns. Um, and that could be who Hufang is matched up against for a lot of the game. So yeah, I, I'm with you on that. Like that's definitely one of those like if Ufanga has a good game, the 49ers probably win. If Ufanga has a bad game, it's like, well, 49ers had a great it's season. And Talano <laughs> Ufanga was named an all pro, but gave up a couple that's touchdowns in, in the divisional round. Yeah. But so yeah, I, I think that's a that's a good pick. He he's he's like one of those like indicators. Like if he's good, Niners are probably good. Um, I'm going to go with another indicator, another story of the game pick. This is not chalk. Um, I'm going with Mike McGlinchey because I was going to do that next. Yeah. Beat you to it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, This is, this is a Micah Parsons thing. Like if Mike McGlinchey holds up against Micah Parsons, it could go a long way towards, altering what his future looks like with the 49ers and how badly they want to bring him back. Um, and, you know, we'll see, you know, his, his free agency discussion is, is one we can have later on, but I think Mike McGlinchey's played a lot better football recently. And, you know, the, the Niners given their limited assets or sorry, like their limited draft capital, like it, it might be difficult to find a right tackle that's just going to step in and, and play at a reasonably high level because they're probably not going to be able to play pay top of market money to a tackle. Um, and maybe McGlinchey, given that he's not like an elite guy, maybe he comes back relatively cheap or maybe he gets overpaid by somebody in free agency, whatever. Either way, like this is probably the biggest game of his career. I mean, he he did play in the Super Bowl, but like, given you know he didn't have his free agency at stake he has his free agency at stake and he's going to be going against the best pass rusher in the league not named nick bosa and micah parsons right so you know if if micah parsons ruin the game ruins the game and has you know two sacks and you know forces a fumble or forces an interception with a pressure like it might be that you know mike mcglinchey gets jaquaski tarted and the 49ers <laughs> decide not to bring him back just solely because like, yeah, that was, you know, a decent enough player, but that was just the type of moment where we're not, we're not dying to bring you back and try you out here. Like, you know, try you out in front of these fans again. Um, so like, I don't know if McGlinchey has a good game, sort of like who on the defensive side. I think the 49ers probably win. If McGlinchey has a terrible game, then it could be like, yeah, the 49ers lost because Micah Parsons had just a monster performance. And so that's that's why I'm picking McGlinchey. I'm going to stick in the secondary for for my last pick. Mooney? A guy I, no, no, a guy I'm not sure we've taken in a while, but Jimmy Ward. Okay. Who right. has quietly just become a really reliable slot defender for the Niners. And I think he's going to see a lot of CeeDee Lamb on Sunday. And if Jimmy Ward has a game where Dallas has scored 13 points 
and CeeDee Lamb has three catches for 48 yards. We're going to get that montage of Jimmy Ward like being really good in the slot. But in the same way that Hufanga is important, I think Jimmy Ward is important. Where maybe it's not super noticeable. Maybe he doesn't get a pick. Maybe it's not like, oh man, CD Lamb has one catch for six yards and it's just Jimmy Ward locking him down. But can he just avoid letting Lamb go six and a hundred on him? Which I think he can. So I think Jimmy Ward and, 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 the other point with that is you mentioned Tony Pollard earlier. Jimmy Ward is probably the Niners' best tackler. And if he's able to get up and play at the line of scrimmage and play in the box and be a good run defender, I think it helps them out a lot down near the line of scrimmage. So I think Jimmy Ward just overall is going to need to have a really, really good game. I agree. I agree. He's he's also a guy who is unsigned after this season. Yeah. And frankly, like, I don't know if he's going to be back. It wouldn't surprise me at all if he's not back. Like, Jimmy Ward is the exact type of free agent to where this team, given the way it's constructed and all the guys they're paying, like, this might be, you know, like a DJ Jones, um, Lake and yeah. Tomlinson type, like, you know, we we'd love that we'd love to pay this guy, but we just are are not going to because we think he's going to get more money elsewhere, and, and maybe he does. Right. Um, so again, if that's the case, this could be his last string of games with the Niners, and it's been you know he's the longest tenure player on the team. So crazy, certainly notable. I like the pick. So I went Bosa. You went Kittle. I went McCaffrey. You went Hufunga. I went McGlinchey, and you went Jimmy Ward. No real hipster picks. Um, I feel great about my Mitch Wisnowski pick last week. Even though he punted once, it was a phenomenal punt. It was a banger of a punt. Just, just a bomb of a punt. So um, obviously, <laughs> uh, yeah, obviously, obviously he was he was perfect <laughs> in his holds um, for Robbie Gold's kicks. So I stand by the pick a thousand percent. Almost took him again this week, but um, I don't want to go back to that well too often. There, there still could potentially be other playoff games to, to go here. Um, still waiting on that Juwan Jennings game. Still happened. Yeah, I was I was gonna take him after you took McGlinchey, but he's got the ankle thing. So yeah, um, Mooney Ward I think would have been a good pick. I thought you were going that direction. Um, given how, how he I took played Mooney last, last week. week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Didn't just, I'm just trying ball. to go through honorable mentions. Um, you know, so so we we you know hit every angle on this game. Um, Fred Warner. The Cowboys are going to run. No, the Cowboys are going to run some screens. Yeah, and... Trey Greenlaw too. Like Trey Greenlaw can't be over aggressive. Um, Trey Trey Greenlaw. I think of all the 49ers in recent memory, toes the line more of like, is this guy going to commit a personal foul <laughs> or not? Like more than anyone since like Dante Whitner. Ooh, yeah. Like Dante Whitner's yeah. stuff kind of came like when they were before they changed the rules, like the Pierre Thomas hit, obviously, like that would not be allowed in today's mm. NFL. But like, 
Dre Greenlaw is like, okay, like every time like a quarterback slides near him and he just doesn't completely decapitate the quarterback for a, a personal foul, I'm like kind of surprised. Yeah. But he's been he's yeah. been really good. That's not to say he hasn't, but yeah. He's been excellent. T.Y. McGill. Yeah. Another guy to keep good an player. eye on. Good player. Drake Jackson. Does he suit up? Who's to say? I'm gonna guess not. I'm gonna guess. We're I don't think gonna, he does. We're not gonna see Drake Jackson. I think they're they're good I, with I, with Charles Amenahu and. I don't think. I also don't think they love the way he defends against the run, and just not being able to be in there for every snap is a problem. Yeah, I think for he would... any situation, I should say. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think that's all I got. I cannot wait for this game. It's gonna be an just. I mean, this is why we do this. Like, if you love NFL football, these are the games that you love to watch. And can I'm I just get, super I, excited about it. And I drop a take on you an hour into this podcast. Yeah, let's do it. If the Niners throttle Dallas the way they kind of just have beat everybody, they're going to win the Super Bowl. Just don't even need to play the other games? Yeah, just just wrap it up. Just don't don't even have and to. And I host. never, I know, and I never go there. I'm not like overreaction guy like that. So you in, just in think sense. you just think they're gonna walk over the New York Giants when they come to when they come to Levi's for the NFC title game. Wow, no, that's just, crazy. That is a crazy take. <laughs> uh, Kyle Williams gonna sound the foghorn. <laughs> oh my god. You just angered so many listeners. <laughs> I'm gonna get a tweet about it for sure. <laughs> Thanks for saving that one for the end of the pod and not the beginning, because a lot of people might have turned it off early on, and and we wouldn't have gotten the download number. And boy, we need those download numbers. <laughs> no, I, I. It's just if they're gonna roll Dallas, I just don't see why they can't beat Philly or the Giants. To be fair, yeah, or who, whatever team's gonna come out of the AFC. I think Dallas, I think really highly of Dallas. I think Dallas can play. That's kind of the point I'm making is this is not, this is not, <laughs> this is not a bad 12 and five team. <laughs> yeah. I, so here's the thing, right? We kind of thought like our opinions of the Dolphins and the Bucks kind of changed dramatically as the season went on. Mm-hmm. If Dallas comes out and plays terribly and the Niners roll over him, there's also an element of like, oh, the Cowboys were a little fraudulent. Or like, oh, we when we say we couldn't trust him, like that was really true. If they go beat Dallas 38 to 13 or whatever, I'm just in. Like, no, I get you. I get you. I, like I'm kind of I'm kind of there. Like, I mean, I also said like before the season and mid-season that they would go to the Super Bowl. So like yeah, I've <laughs> they're not they haven't done it yet so i'm not gonna i'm not gonna sniff just yet but okay fair. Uh, mark tressman is saying that brock purdy has shades of joe montana for whatever that's worth um that sucks for brock purdy <laughs> um no, i take back everything i said <laughs> no i'm with you like i'm i'm kind of already there but like if they do just roll the cowboys and it's like okay it's time to it's time to look out but you know, we'll see. I mean, the if if the Eagles roll the Giants, then I think a lot of people would say the same thing about them. No doubt, no doubt. I know. I said I uh, I was more or less joking when I made that comment about the the Giants coming to Levi's next week, but like 
I'm on alert, man. Like that would not surprise me at all if the if the Giants won that game. It would surprise me. I would not be floored though. I'm expecting like it, the Eagles to win. I'm just saying, like, I wouldn't be as stunned as I think most of the NFL world would be if the Giants won that game. Hard to beat a team three times. I've heard that. Did you know? Did you know that Niners Dallas is the first playoff game this year that's not a rematch of all of them? Yes. Is that including did all the playoff games? Did Jacksonville and Kansas City play earlier this year? Yes. That's that's interesting. I don't know if there's anything to make of that other than it being completely random, but that is that is pretty interesting. Hopefully Let someone can write a column this. about it. Let me confirm this. Hang on. <laughs> we can pretend. Did somebody write a column about this? No. Yeah, they played Jacksonville played at Kansas City. Lost 27-17. Wild. There's nothing to take from it. It's just an interesting tidbit. No, I know. I know. Learning all um, sorts of little Vino factoids. Yeah. Um. One more interesting note, and then we should go. Yes, we need we're, to go. we've been we've been hanging on for way we've too been long. at this far too long. Um, ESPN's football power index likes the Cowboys in this game. Uh, cancel the game then. Stop the count. Call the fight. <laughs> I guess they don't even need to play then. Um, no, but I, I just find it in, like, you know, the point spreads Niners by four. A lot of the experts think the Niners are winning. Um, obviously, the betting odds reflect that. And some of that's, you know, kind of a product of the uh, w- which way the money's going on, on the bets and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. some of the analytics like I because I asked Nick about this because this was an ESPN thing. Some of the analytics like the Giants slightly over the or sorry, the Cowboys slightly over the Niners. So. Um, and maybe it. maybe that's a strength of schedule thing. Maybe the Niners are just big frauds who haven't played anybody. <laughs> maybe it's because they're rolling that's out Mr. Irrelevant at quarterback. Yeah, yeah, they haven't played anybody, and they're rolling out Mr. Irrelevant at quarterback. I don't even know why we're why they're suiting up on Sunday. We already know who's the fact better. That they won a playoff game is basically a miracle. <laughs> okay. Honestly, that was it. it I know I don't have, I don't have any analysis about that. I just thought it was interesting. It's like everywhere you look, it's like yeah, everybody picks or is picking the Niners except FPI, and maybe it's just maybe it's just the schedule thing. But I don't think it'd be one thing if the Niners hadn't gone on two deep playoff runs in the last three years and won like big playoff games on the home on the road and at home, but like. You know, they have and they've a lot of those guys are still on this roster. So, yeah. Fascinating. I can't wait. I think we're going to get a classic. Hope so. Hope so, man. Um, Well, enjoy. Enjoy uh, the Magic Kingdom. And don't know if we're um, going back, but for sure. Well, is it is Disney World? Did like what is it? Oh, I guess Magic Kingdom. Disney World is the NFL. Magic Kingdom is the 49ers. Who who's the the seven dwarfs ride? That's Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> okay. New does a little bit of everything. Right. That last uh, the last lift where you like go up the hill and like the songs mm-hmm. like but that's kind of a yeah. banger. That was like one of those moments where you're it's like so oh this great. is this is pretty sick. Yeah, and then you got Doc doing the high hoes. It's oh it's yeah fantastic. yeah yeah. Uh, if you get back out here and anybody listening to this, if you're going to Walt Disney World, pay 
to get a lightning lane for Cosmic Rewind. It's the best roller coaster I've ever been on. Cosmic Rewind. It's outrageous. It's right. so sick. All right. Next time you plug Disney, let's make sure they're giving us money. I'll ask Mickey tomorrow. Okay, great. Hey, bro, sponsor the pod. Yeah. And if not, uh, say what up to my guy Goofy. Maybe he can help us out. No doubt. All right. I'll, hit a, I'll hit up the Goofmeister for sure. <laughs> All right. Subscribe, rate, and review. Shout out to Cooperage, CooperageBrewing.com. Um, great beer. Great place. Great people. Such good beer. All that stuff. We will talk to you guys after the game. Everybody enjoy. It'll be a good one. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.